Hi, good morning. Morning. In verse one of Genesis three, it says, "Did God actually say, 'You shall not eat of any tree in the garden'?" So I know that we've all heard messages on this passage many times over the years. But as I think about this verse for myself again, I think this voice of mistrust, suspicion, and casting doubt on God comes up still. And especially, I think during major junctures of our lives. And so, as we are about to start up many new church plants, and as the call to embrace、uh, the life of suffering is true, still we need to really fight off the false voices that might play to your desires and idols that start to doubt God's goodness. Especially when we're faced with decisions to take steps of obedience, and we need to go back to the grand reality of the cross. Now, in verse five, it says, "For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." And this is a very profound description of what is at the core of sin. And as Alice mentioned, we've heard many messages on this text, and so we know that at the core of sin is the big eye at the center of S I N. But as I reflected on this text, I think that this is not just a profound theological history of what happened. At the beginning, at the fall of mankind, but it is still very applicable to our lives today. Determining good and evil is a huge part of my daily decision making. It is the basis of all that we do and decide. Even after we become Christians, we are faced with this dilemma: Who will define good and evil for my life? Will we continue to trust that God would define what is good and evil, or do I want to take back some of that ability? To To define good and evil for my life, and that I be the final arbiter of good and evil for me, and this is so co- concrete and applies to us daily. So, for example, when it comes to money, it seems good for me to prioritize spending money on my own desires, or it seems good to at least hoard that money so that I can use it for my needs in the in the future. Or, for another example, might be when it comes to time, it sure seems. "Quote unquote good to allow plenty of time for my own leisure, my own downtime, or just to do with time as I please." But when I see how God defines good and evil, it is so different from how I would want to define good and evil for me. So in Matthew 16,、uh, Jesus says, "For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul?" Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So every day, in fact, multiple times in a given day, I need to let God choose what is good and evil for my life instead of myself. In verse five, Satan here says again to Eve, "For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." So this is again Satan's scheme to cast doubt on God's good character. Especially here, he's trying to plant a sinister thought that God is trying to withhold something good from us, and I think this is a tactic that we really need to be aware of. And when Satan plays to our mistrust again, we need to go back and remember who God really is. It's so evident that just as we read through Genesis one and two, God had created this magnificent, beautiful world where God took so much care and hard work and thought to bring. Life and and creativity and blessing for us to be fruitful and abundant, and yet in that even though they're in the middle of all of it, Adam and Eve failed to recognize this. 
They were right in the think of God's splendor and beauty, and yet it was tragic that it's an example of how our hearts can be easily deceived. I think we should be humble about this reality about ourselves and how we are so prone towards mistrust and rebellion and to holding on to idols that we become blind. And that that's why we need to take time each day to go back to God's uh, truth again and again. Now, in verse 6, we read that Eve took the fruit because she thought that the tree uh, was to be desired to make one wise. Now, it's ironic that Eve believed that this tree would make her wise because it's not true wisdom that this tree could grant. For it says in Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the, of the Holy One is insight. There was no way that eating this fruit could give her true wisdom which is grounded in the fear of the Lord. And it was only a tainted and twisted form of wisdom and knowledge that this fruit offered. After eating this, mankind would know firsthand what it's like to feel guilty and ashamed. It offered firsthand knowledge of sin. But this is not knowledge or wisdom, of course. And when I think about this, it's so maddening and tragic that Eve fell for this lie. From this text, I see how sin is based on lies, falsehood, and its net impact is to take us away from the life of blessing that God intended for us. Truly, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, as Jesus said later on. And Satan's goal and nature of his lies have not changed one bit since Genesis 3. And this is how Satan wants to deceive me every day. And I think it's equally tragic and maddening that I, too, continue to fall for similar lies. So I need to remind myself of this truth and see Genesis 3 as an apt warning for me that's very much applicable to me on a daily basis, so that I choose the fear of God as true wisdom, and that I view the life of obeying God as truly blessed and flourishing life, and so that I can reject Satan's lies to the contrary. So this time around, as I was thinking about each of the questions God asks here, where are you? Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? What is this that you have done? I think these are very legitimate questions that God asks in this context. These are the kinds of questions that parents will ask their children when they see a disarrayed house or two kids got into a really bad fight or whatever. And yet we don't respond well to questions like these, right? How many of us really welcome questions like this where we need to own up to something? We generally don't want to answer questions like this because we don't want to expose ourselves and be humbled by the truth of our sinfulness. And here, how did Adam and Eve answer to God? It was with blame and excuses. And I was thinking about how God's heart must have been really grieved by this dishonesty and this blame shifting of responsibility. I think this passage is a reminder for me that to have an authentic love relationship with somebody, I need to be a person who doesn't dodge these kinds of questions. But as these types of questions are asked, it's an opportunity for me to be humble, to be honest, to open up my life. And as a result of that, to go deeper with that person and in my relationship with God, even if it's really uncomfortable and unpleasant, because it's through that kind of interaction of being honest that I can actually grow in the, in the depth of that relationship, especially with God. And certainly we need to be doing that with him on a daily basis. And I think that's what our devotion, daily devotion times is for. 
Okay, that's it for today. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Adios.